Hello everyone, my name is Monica Gleberman, and you're listening to Silence On Set Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. So I guess we'll just jump right into it. Basically, I wanted to find out, first of all, I did some research and saw that you were kind of like maybe thinking of ending acting. Like you were like, I think this is not for me. And then somehow ended up on Outlander. So what was that process? What happened? Um, Yeah, God. um, Yeah, jump right in at the deep end. I mean, yeah, obviously this industry is tough. Uh, There's much worse industries for sure. But um, yeah, there's like, I always like talk about the fact that there's, you know, there's very much two sides of acting, right? You either like hit the ground running and there's just, you're drowning in jobs or there's, nothing um it's very much famine or drought and um yeah I mean I've I've gone through yeah to to many people you know I've been very lucky I've been in I've worked on loads and loads of theaters been in some incredible like after winning shows and things um but yeah like I've gone probably about two uh stints now of like two years without work and like I've been lucky to be auditioning you know but um it's just yeah the constant rejection definitely I think people used to ask me like how how do you deal with that and I don't know um yeah I think it's really it's really I think when you're the product as well it's like a weird thing where it's like it does it feels like it's reflected on you and you as a person and how you look like there's just so um yeah it's an absolute minefield for mental health for sure and I just I just really hit a wall and I was um I felt like I was just flogging a dead horse and I was just, was over it. I was very much over it. And I think um, part of it was just that I couldn't, I just feel very much like a square peg in a round hole consistently. So I think that was like the, the toughest thing. And I went on a break, which actually was the most healthiest thing I've ever done. And I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> um, as an actor, you've just got to be like on it all the time. Um, you know, drop everything, uh, you know, friends, birthdays, whatever, like you just have to drop it all, learn lines and travel across the country constantly. Yeah, I think I took a break and it meant that I didn't know if I wasn't getting jobs, which was half of the battle. Um, so that definitely helped. And then I tentatively said yes to addition into Outlander again, because this, this was the fourth part in Outlander that I'd gone up for. This was... Um, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So, so, you had, so you were put... you auditioned or were put up for four different roles well, I just, to get them yeah I auditioned and like got you know I'd maybe get recalls whatever I'd um you know send in tapes go down to London or whatever um yeah since season one so probably before I I was aware of Outlander I guess before or Outlander as a tv show uh you know before any of it had started obviously you know book readers have been fans for decades but um yeah so I mean, that audition was the worst audition of, of my life. I don't know if you've seen any of that, but um, have you heard of this? Have you heard about this? No, I haven't. And I was actually going to ask you, I'm like, what four parts did you try to go up for? Okay. Um, so, yeah, the four, the first one I auditioned for was for, in, yeah, in the 40s timeline um, with the scene the scene with Frank where he um, meets a woman in the bar who like leads him down a fake trail to find the Highlander and um, so yeah it was a small part but like yeah a good one nonetheless and I just graduated and I went down to 
um, I was in London, so I saw the London-based casting director, which means I was actually in the room for this audition. It wasn't like a self-tape, but um, yeah, she gets choked. Frank chokes her up against the wall. So I um, had to choke myself up against the wall and um, I stepped back and I stepped back on the casting director's backdrop. The backdrop fell, the scaffolding fell and the pole fell on my head. And um, yeah, and it's all on tape somewhere. So yeah. Grim, 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 grim. And then I had that to like would definitely would have happened to me. <laughs> yeah. I had to like reconstruct it and then do my tape again. And I was like on the phone to my agent crying afterwards, like, it was the worst edition of my life. And I was so new. I was like new, sparkling, um, yeah, new actor. And that was like just grim. So I auditioned for that role and then I auditioned for uh, Morag Mackenzie, uh, Roger Mackenzie's great, 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 great grandmother, um, who he meets on the boat over to America. And um, yeah, she was like a similar sort of role, gets Roger in trouble again. And um, yeah, has like, you know, a young child, baby. So I think it's a, a similar vibe. Um, I think the addition scene for that was much more flirtatious. Or no, I made it that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, whatever the 1700s version of flirting is. And then I auditioned for Epi the Hoor, <laughs> who has that uh, wonderful scene with Stephen Bonnet. But um, yeah, I mean, all the actresses that got it are great. And um, I can see why I didn't get them. But yeah, I'm so happy that I held out for this. But yeah. yeah that's, it's so funny because I feel like with Amy, there are similar characteristics for the all four, like all of your previous auditions. Mm -hmm. There are like pieces, I think, kind of of each one yeah. that you tried out for that didn't get, which is kind of funny. But as a viewer, I can't imagine you playing those. Like I see yeah. you fully as Amy because like you were so good oh, that I couldn't imagine you swapping out anyway. So I guess that's the whole beauty of the casting, right? That they yeah. can see something that like we don't see. And they're yeah. able to put something together. Always like, um, definitely uh, these these two sides of acting. You know, unless you are a name that is going to be putting butts on seats, ultimately for the most part, you tend to get cast and tend to get seen as things that are close to yourself. Especially in TV, theatre is a bit more flexible. And you know, I've played things that are further away from me because the audience are also further away, <laughs> which helps. But um, yeah, in TV, it's very much. Uh, they can kind of smell when you're not, when, when you're putting on a bit of a front. But I found it funny because when you were talking about like, yeah, like I think, I, you know, I don't know if I was like done or like how hard this was and I needed a mental break. The irony is like people can't see it. I could see you. But what they'll hear is that behind you is a Thelma and Louise poster, which I find hilariously ironic because you're like, yeah, I don't know. I need a break. Like I was done. <laughs> done. And then there's, there's this beautiful like poster behind you. And I, I love that movie. And oh, a lot yeah, of stuff stands behind that movie. There's a funny story behind this because I did. Um, well, actually, my mom had been telling me to watch it for years. And I did. I, did, I don't know. I just had put putting it off. And um, I yeah, it's, it's my favorite movie. And what I the more I delved into it, the more I loved because actually I started writing during um uh, during COVID like the very first lockdown in like March 2020 and um I just come back from LA and I was like convinced that I was gonna stick in acting I, I was like I'm gonna do it and then COVID hit so I was like Ugh. um and I started writing and I'd never delved into any of that before and yeah Thelma is a huge inspiration to me because um, it's Callie Curie that wrote the script it's like one of her I think her first ever screenplay or certainly like 
a first produced thing, which is just absolute madness. And I actually, um, I wrote a pilot. The first thing I ever wrote was a pilot and then a TV pilot. And it's now been optioned, which is wild. And actually I, I named one of the characters Callie after Callie Courier that wrote Thelma and Louise. Cause I just, I don't know, she's just cool. And also it's like Callie Caledonia and it's a Scottish, um, Scottish characters again. So, so that's amazing. So like to kind of go off track, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll bring you back to Eleanor, I promise. So during COVID, what inspired you to literally just go, you know what, I'm going to write a pilot. Yeah, it's I like mean, it was never, it was, it was never something that I thought I could do. I mean, I've been bloody Diana Gabaldon, didn't think she could do it either. Like Outlander was a practice. So like that, that, that kind of energy I'm like here for, I'm very much like, let me try this one thing. And then, um, yeah, I guess I've got more, I feel like I've got more control than I ever have with, with acting weirdly enough. Um, cause it's just like, there's nothing really in between you and a laptop. Like, it's just like, it's on you if you don't do the work. Um, but in terms of RCS, when I when I was there, I went um, from 2011 to 2014, and um, we had we got a module called On the Verge, where for like this these two weeks, you either you do something that isn't acting, so it could be writing, directing, or whatever. My one of my best friends, Megan Tyler, who's an incredible playwright and writer, who was in my year as an actor, she wrote a play, and I directed it. So that was my first like I've directed for theatre as well. So that was like my first experience of directing for theatre um, but even then I was like no I can't write and there's there's this weird stigma about it which I've realised now I've come out of it is that I think when you're at drama school and you're working as a well you're acting nine to six every day and you've got a network around you that understands you and you're never you know it feels very much like you have a reason to wake up in the morning and the reason is the thing that you love and that's very helpful and that's three years that you go through that um, and you get a degree at the end of it it's so bloody jammy and then you've got this endless abyss afterwards and I think when you're in that bubble it's really easy to hope or I don't think anyone ever assumes that they will get work when they leave like so there's this weird stigma about writing your own work is like only because you've not been successful it's like it's it's a it's a means to an end kind of thing and weirdly I don't write for myself because I feel like this industry has pummeled my confidence so low that I just I I'm always like no someone else would be better at it and also I just kind of I don't want to there were there may come a time where I write in it and something or director or whatever but I feel like you know it takes it takes a village doesn't it the reason I started um was because my my best friend uh, Chess forced me to write this story and she was going to Norway to stay in a cabin in the woods for a month to write a horror movie and she was like I don't want to go alone can you come and be killed with me and I was like okay it was it was just after things had got um relaxed you know flight wise and stuff but it was still you know there still really wasn't things going on things weren't filming and yeah we went and we went into a cabin in the woods and I guess what I've been surprised with is how much writing especially dialogue is like part of you as an actor yeah and I think it's you know it was kind of smart for you and your friends to like go off because when you're a journalist and like I, I write something and I put it out there I kind of like forget like I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah like no one's gonna read it and like you know people yeah. read it and I'm like oh that's great you know like and you get your positive and your negative but I feel like you know for me, I took advantage of it as I got known in the journalism world and in the PR right. world. I feel like you did perfect timing of taking advantage of it, even if you wrote beforehand. But like when Outlander is coming out, people know you now. So like your name's known. So to write something might give you a little more 
mm-hmm. you know, of an umph than <laughs> if you just like graduated, no one knew who you were, you wrote something and then you're like working yeah. five jobs and like trying to get it, you know, picked up or whatever. Oh, so I think yeah. you did like a great, and then also having a friend, I think helps too. It's so Very hard. Yeah, the routine, the routine thing is really, I, I've not mastered it. And that's that's what I'm about to go into is because the script has been optioned. Yeah, I've got kind of addicted and I've written a short and I've written this pilot and I've written a play and I'm writing, a, I'm calling it a book. I'm doing a proper, um, oh God, what's her name? Fox. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I did it myself. Um, yeah, I've written a book. Um, it's definitely not a masterpiece, um, but I've not written a book. I'm starting to, but I'm just like, I don't really know what I'm seeing, what I can do. Cause obviously, you know, when someone is like, I like this, but it'd be better as a play or I like this, but it's a film. It's not a series or whatever. Um, I think it's good to be able to do all of that. Um, but yeah, having like your tribe that you can send stuff to that you trust is like so, so important. It always starts off scary and then you kind of learn from it. But I do agree. Like having a tribe and someone that you can kind of send your stuff to Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, talk about it and, you know, even be comfortable with someone going like, Hey, like, here's like, you know, nice criticism. Like these are some things like you might want to change and just like to feel comfortable. So like, you know, that's really nice. Uh, So basically there was a supernova does scholarships and they raise money for -hmm. students that attend RCS, which is a school in Scotland that focuses on the arts and offers amazing, like, you know, a million different programs that, you know, students can attend to. And so they host a gala every single year. So you came, you were sweet enough to go and, you know, you talk about your experience at Outlander, talk about your experience at the school to have you at the gala was so nice. And all the donors get to come in and they get to see you guys live, like, you know, and there's a whole planned out kind of like agenda. And, you know, you're there to just talk and support about the school basically. And like your experience there. So why was it so important for you to participate in that? Yeah, I mean, I was approached by them and I, I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of uh, their um, scholarship before, but this is only the second year that they've done it. So like it was brand new and like very much, you know, in and of itself as a grad, I mean, I graduated like so good seven years ago or something. Um, But I am extremely lucky because as a Scottish student, our fees are mainly paid by the government right that was extremely fortunate for me it took me four years to get into the conservatoire like I don't know why four is my lucky number and I'd auditioned when I was like 17 18 19 and then 20 um and I had got into other places and I'd done like um the foundation degree at one place which was extremely expensive and um and then kept going until I got in there because that was the only place I wanted to go um I have nothing but good things. I mean, you know, it's an institution. Every institution is learning and we're all learning together. So, you know, there's not, um, no institution is without its, its issues. But I had an incredible time there. For me, it was really important to talk about that at the gala because and talk about the the realities of it, of being in this industry. I think it's all well and good to like get a job or be an actor and be quite up your own arse about it, like and and pretend like it's come easy. I very much wanted to go there and talk to these donors and stuff about the realities of how a hard how hard it is to get into a school like that and how hard it is afterwards especially financially so if you were in school at this at this time and you had gotten you know what you got from from the government but you had a leftover bill or you were graduating and you have to get headshots now and reels and websites and all these things that nobody tells you that you have to pay for you know 
how would that of scholarship had made a difference if that oh. was available for you and it would be if you were awarded one? I mean, completely life changing, like genuinely, because every opportunity, like as an actor, I think what a lot of people don't realize, or maybe they do, but like you are talking about like literally one edition away. And I'm not chasing fame being a stretch of the imagination. I don't think any, I don't think any actor worth their salt is actually chasing that. That is the difference between things moving fast for you, things moving slow, like one edition. And if you can't afford to get on, I cannot tell you the amount of times that I took the bus to London from Glasgow, which is a 10 hour bus. And um, it's beyond grim. I'm not going to lie to you. Like it's grim. Um, and up and down because it was like, and it was maybe like 10, 15 pounds or whatever. It was like all I could afford and all my family could afford. And, you know, they, I've been very fortunate that they've been able to support me in what little, you know, way they, they can. And I'm an only child, which does help. But like, it, it just, it, having to like not be, not being able to go to an audition because you can't afford it is like, is the reality of having something happen for you and having something propel you into you know, being the actors that the majority of people, you know, look on their TV or on their socials and see and think that that's like, it's just any of that money. It's yeah, it is just so expensive. And even like, um, although I will say that, I mean, our equity, equity here is like 140 something pounds a year and spotlights around the same SAG SAG in the US is like three grand to join or something. It's like, I mean, yeah. And I think the assumption is that you will be, you know, only when you're earning a certain amount of money, are, are you actually legitimate in this industry? And I just, I think that's, yeah, it's just, it, it's just not the way. People all, you know, just think like, oh, if you study as an actor, you're going to graduate and you're going to become famous. And then if you don't become famous until then, you don't really have to worry too much. You'll work other jobs. And like, but they don't realize there's so much money and so much time and so much goes into the auditioning and so much goes into the headshots and all of the stuff that you need. It's not really like so simple as just graduating and showing up to an audition. But I was talking about this the other day. When you're like a kid, I feel like, like, you know, a young child, like four, you know, whatever, before like our fun insecurities that we somehow learn. And like, you know, before we start doubting ourselves and all these horrible things kind of we put in into play with the world, you would like draw something and you think it's like the best thing you've ever done. And like yeah, your mom yeah. up and like you Wait, have no problems. Like, yeah. You're like, I'll be, I'll be a cop and you'd be the robber and I'll be this and you'd be this. Yeah. And, like, and you, and like, you don't even think about it. Yeah. Do you know, on, on this subject, one of the reasons I started writing was because I did The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, I um, have. Yeah, it's, and that talks about that, like that sort of, um, like you have to write lists of like things that you liked when you were a kid or like, you know, candy that you got when you were a kid and like you like actively over the course of 12 weeks, like get back into that vibe and I I had written things down that I was like this is ridiculous like yeah I used to like rollerblading or I used to like roller skating or whatever and then like a week later I'm like looking on our Craigslist is called Gumtree and I'm like sitting in a driveway in Bear's Den buying this this teenager's roller skates off her because I'm like and this person again and that before yeah before you get to that place of just complete self-doubt and rejection and and I think that's why I have a I have much more respect you know I respect everybody anyone doing any sort of craft like this I respect but I, th I think that's why a lot of people respect Sam Hewen is because a he's really honest about like 
how he sort of, you know, things weren't going well for him and like it's just the reality of um how you know overnight something like that can can change for you but he was you know he was working incredible theaters in the UK and doing incredible work and like just not getting you know recognized for his talent in the same way as he is now obviously because he's in a he's in a big thing but like that graft and that that the good person that you have to be to 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 do that and not have it handed to you is is I think what um I was experiencing on that that gal when they were talking about him and you know and his sort of videos and stuff that he'd done for it um and on set like he was just so lovely and they must you know Sam and Katrina must have so many people come and go all the time um but I think the fact that they you know it, it was my biggest job that I'd done it was most of the people's biggest job that they'd done and it was Sam and Kat's biggest job you know like so I think everybody can go back to their first day on set when they don't feel like uh you know you've got maybe not got the goods to back it up or and, and it's hard especially especially in tv and film because you get zero rehearsal you know in theater people are like oh you're doing it in front of loads of people and you're doing yeah you're doing it in front of thousands of people but you've you rehearsed for like a month yeah like just bef- um just after outlander i did a you know i played the lead in a huge theater here and like that was like the most intimidating role to step into that but I was comfortable by the time we got, I mean, not comfortable, but like I knew what I was doing by press thing, you know, like film and TV, you just kind of <laughs> thrust upon a set that you've never seen before and thrust around people that you've never met before. And it's very, it's, um, yeah, it's trying to, trying to concentrate where all the hardware and everything is going on around you is, is like another, another skill in itself. But I, I think, I think the respect and the, of, having done theatre at least having a respect for it and a respect for people other people being uncomfortable rather than stepping on set with any any sort of ego there's just no room for that and if you're coming at it from you know my perspective my trajectory or Sam's trajectory where you're not graduating immediately you know famous yeah there's um, much more of an appreciation and I think also like we were talking about like your inner child right so like when you're in theatre you get to play that inner child and I feel like you work on bringing that back into you like you know and trying to and now listen it's not a perfect you know situation right you're still auditioning you hear rejection and you know there's still a shield you have to put up but like when you do a player you get something that you are working on I do feel like there's ways of you kind of shaking off some of that and getting back into your inner child and having fun and playing with it and I think that shows and I and I actually think I agree with you I actually really think that yes would I want everybody to graduate and start making millions of dollars of course, right? That's what you want to, you know, do. But to start in the arts, whether it's theater, to start maybe on a small TV show that nobody watch, whatever it is, mm-hmm. to learn and to work and to sweat and then get something big. Mm-hmm. I feel like you and the people I've interviewed always seem much more nicer and like because they appreciate so much more. And yeah. You know, versus people that, you know, I've talked to that, you know, got it like, you know, their first audition. And I'm like, oh, well, that's great. Like, you know, I'm sure millions of people really want to hear about that, you know. But again, I don't knock those people. Obviously, that's great for them and it's wonderful. But I do think there has to, you know, you can't deny that there's much more of an appreciation if you worked much harder for it. And so, you know, for you, you know, how you mentioned like Sam and Kat were so amazing. And obviously, there's hundreds of people in Outlander. I mean, I just can't even like my brain over the years you know with all these people kind of in and out what was it like for you when you stepped on set what was the experience like it's well yeah it's hard like I've never done this before where you're going into something that's been going for six you know for six years they're they're a family 
you know, they're playing a family and they're also a family as a cast. Like that's, you know, and you can never, there's absolutely no expectation that you'd ever really penetrate that or anything. Like it's, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I'm very much aware of that. Also, we did it during a pandemic. So that was like a huge, huge thing. We were like separated. We had to keep our masks on. It felt, there was like a twinge of guilt whenever you were like, especially at the start, you know, when it, I, I think over, the, I was filming for like six months over the, you know, on and off very much so, but things eventually got a little bit easier. I think, you know, I think then we were able to move outside because there wasn't snowstorms. So it was tricky. My first scene was um, when Richard offers Amy um, the cabin and there was quite a lot of people on set. It was the first time I'd met Richard. It was the first, In fact, I'd seen him around at the BAFTAs and stuff like that, but I'd never like properly chatted to him. First time I met Sophie, first time I met Alex Vlahos um, and also the first time I'd physically met Caleb that plays my son. And that that was a weird like thing because he was looking at me for answers that I didn't necessarily have because I hadn't been on set for two years um, and it's just this kind of they've already been working for a couple of weeks the um I think the director and stuff and everybody uh, by the monitors is like far away so if you have a question there's just really that that always takes me by surprise how sometimes it's quite it feels quite separate and you've got to quickly chore- because of co- continuity you've got to quickly choreograph something that you stick to putting your the same hand on it is like very overwhelming yes they sort of introduce you but also they got everybody's got a job to do like you know the crew it's, it moves so fast so you just kind of expect to go in and just like do it um to be completely honest and that maybe that's not always the case but um with the pressures of and actually that that specific scene had been rewritten almost overnight maybe over the course of two days but probably overnight because we got a script and um I think the day before that was it had been moved inside and they've been moving most of the scenes outside so that we had ventilation for COVID but then there was a snowstorm so they had to rewrite it inside so like they're all stressing because all obviously all of their um storyboarding all of their plan has been completely um thrown so it's, it, I don't know it's very much like you're expected to turn up and do the job there's no like it's like chaos very, yeah it's chaos there's yeah. not there's very little placating or like um positive reinforcement which definitely is 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 tough because it's hard to put something out there and like not know I can remember really struggling with that being like does anyone want to tell like oh it's just like and then all a lot of the focus at that point was going on to Caleb because he'd never done any acting before he'd never done anything and then he god bless him like that was a really hard first time ever on camera and his job in that moment was to like grab all the attention and embarrass me and like get me out of the room so we're trying to just get stuff that was like you know something that he could latch on to so I was finding myself kind of directing him a little bit which was interesting to be like no like get me out of the room like you won't damage my skirt like just get me out of the room like because it's the whole thing goes goes you know it's like a domino effect from that but yeah I mean Richard was lovely like right off the bat when we were doing the line run for that scene I think I said yeah I could never repeat and he was like I could think of a couple of ways or whatever like he's very much the class clown but yeah I mean we're both from Glasgow like people have been like did he put you off or whatever I'm like I mean he, you know he's more comfortable than I am 100% so like he can he can get away with a lot more definitely but you know when the cameras aren't rolling like we're both from Glasgow sarcasm like I basically bleed sarcasm like that's 
very much my banter like you know so and I think that's that's the similarity between like her and Roger because it's just like a little taste of home and you know yeah she's not got any she's not very you know comfortable and needs help so but I think see like and I think that's probably like a nice intro for you because you walk around said you don't really know anyone you're not really expecting to break into anybody's like secret you know kind of friend circle you go to do your job and then like me Richard you guys both happen to be from the same place joking around as you know you did more episodes and maybe you know you cross paths with other people that you might not have been acting with like Sam or or Kat I feel like maybe you know and I could be wrong because I'm I'm not on set but maybe like it was a little easier maybe you know because you're not like a one timer like you're not in one episode in two second scene and you're gone because you're like a kind of like revolving character and you're in multiple episodes I would assume like then they come up to you and if they're about to do something, they're like, Hey, like, nice to meet you. Like, you know, that kind of thing. So is that kind of how it like slowly kind of goes as you're. The the scenes with Sam and Kat, there was always a lot of other people on set, like um, along with background and there was a lot of things going on, but yeah, that was what really struck me was like how lovely, how lovely they were um, like right off the bat and just complete, you know, we were filming in the worst conditions I mean it was you know it was January there was snowstorm all the snow that you see is real I mean it was beautiful but it was bloody cold and we've got fingerless gloves which are beautiful but um not no good to man or beast and um yeah so I think you know there was moments where like me and Sam were talking about um as we we've both worked in um, the same theatres and stuff and he was telling me about that kind of stuff well, he was like really concerned about my fingers that looked like they were going to fall off. Just like we're just very, very friendly. And I think, um, yeah, it's testament to just like not be, don't be a dick. And I think with me and Richard, um, it was a little bit, we got on, but it took a little bit more time because I think um, I was really nervous. Like I, I remember we were about to do the scene with the frog and I was, had to like cry and all this. And I had a very clear, because in the book I had a very clear idea of what how that scene would go and then it turned up and frog didn't move and like we had to like change stuff and um like all of that just I was I was nervous about it and obviously it was my first scene with him and um I I'd gone up to him because we'd just done a, this when he's given a ceremony at the church because of COVID most of us everybody else was outside and they just kept me in to like have an eye line with and he had to give this big sermon about fear or whatever, like um, to which ended up not. It ended up just being voiceover in the final edit. He had to just give this huge speech, like he was minister, really, con- you know, confidently. And and I remember, like afterwards, like we were walking up to the tent, and I hadn't properly got to speak to him, just like one on one. And we were filming the next scene, the next day, and I just said to him, like, "Well done, like that was really, really good." And he was like, "Oh, like thank you, whatever." Like, and and it. I think everybody has, you know, I, it's weird for me to go up to someone like that and be like, you did good, like, as if that's not fucking obvious. But also, <laughs> like, who doesn't like to be kind of, I don't know, because that's that's the thing that I think you miss doing TV and film as opposed to theatre. You get instant um, response. response. Like, yeah, yeah when you're, um, like, I was just, in, I mean, it was, it was a comedy and there was definitely moments of, you know, there was there was audiences where it was a bit quieter and you were like, OK, you know, you need to kind of ease into things. You know how to kind of land jokes and land lines in a way that will get the punch. Like, you know, it's like it's a totally different thing. But there's just none of that. And and when everyone's doing their own jobs and you're expected to be able to do their job, I mean, him certainly is expected to be able to do, to, to play Roger like 
of course he is like he you know he's very similar to that character and um, you know he's doing his own accent so there's there's not a, a lot of room to kind of necessarily get that wrong but he pitched it so well and so so you know earnestly and stuff and I wanted to kind of tell him that and I think that was kind of eventually what kind of broke the ice a little bit because it was just like thanks like I recognize you as like another actor that like just it's just nice yeah and I think I I read that oh my god like to have to act that with one person sitting there and then and then on both ends you know so like it's great like for Richard I get it the eye line but then having to act like that that there's a whole room full and then we ended up not really seeing that but then for you too like it's almost like you know like when someone sings to you and you're sitting and they're staring at you and you're like I feel uncomfortable because you're the only one like sitting in the room so like you both have to be in the moment to where it's believable I think when weird things like that happen because of television like these weird kind of things that they have to throw you in last minute or these changes or the snow or like whatever comes up and covid i think although difficult bonds you and i feel like in a way you got in at a good time because of all of these issues because everybody was going through it so it's almost like you can kind of relate just as a human being like you just like i'm gold you're gold like this is you know and then i'll start joking and everybody kind of just does yeah. what that, they have to do to get by that was that was probably the first thing that he'd said to me was like thanks for staying in for an eye line because like I think someone gave me the option to to go back to like the easy up or whatever and I was like no like I mean because the reality of being an actor you know you know being a working actor they call them you're going in between different jobs and stuff is that like it's not it's not that I wanted to quit acting you know because I absolutely adore this job like when I'm doing it I adore it unfortunately the reality for most actors is that they maybe you know get to do it two three months out of the year and the rest of the time they're like grafting or doing other jobs or whatever so like when I'm on a set I want to be on the set like I want to and also like with screenwriting and directing and I'm starting to direct for film as well I'm kind of like I want to know what lines is going on I want to know why they're choosing to do that shot why they're cutting to that like I want to be and you don't get that so it just it it seems madness to me to kind of be like yeah I'm going to just like peace out you know and you can do that when you've when you're working for six years on something that's when that kind of and it's not a bad attitude it's just like I need to rest because I'm also in tomorrow or I maybe wasn't in the next day or whatever so I just like was very much laughing you know soaking it all up as much as I could well no Um, you you did such a great job and you know for I read the books and what I try to do I read them all but what I try to do is like before the new season, I'll read the book that's like attached to that season. Cause like you forget, like there's so much to try to like remember. So like I was reading it and then I think I was like halfway through and like they introed, they had already introduced your character because it was such a shortened season. And we, you know, as press, we get them early. So like I had watched a lot of it. I just remember going, wait, so she doesn't like hit on him or like try to steal him. Right. Cause like that was like the first like in sync. And I'm sure like a lot of people, if they don't read the yeah. books, are going, who's Amy? Like, why is she like taking all of Roger's time? But then like, when you really get to know her and then you hear obviously like Roger's solely with Brianna and had no, you know, didn't even think that like that thought didn't even cross his mind, but that this woman like to just like realize that this woman literally lost her husband mm-hmm. came over is completely alone. And someone is willing to build her cabin and help her and like they're giving her food and like helping her survive on her feet till she could grow her garden till she could get her stuff kind of up and running was like amazing to me and like I said you did such a good job and I don't know with the makeup and the clothes or whatever but 
when I first saw you, I was like, oh my God, she's so pretty. Like, and like, you, it's not that you don't look pretty on the show, but it's like, everything's pulled back. Everything's very reserved and very, and like, like it should be, it's a time period, right? Like, so everything's kind of pulled back and you don't see that much and you're wearing like a little, you know, a hat and things like that. So I kept going, like every time I would see pictures, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so pretty. They must have had to work so hard to like pull everything back and take all of this off and kind know, of it's very, costume. I guarantee you it's ex- very much the opposite. <laughs> like, no, it, I think it's extremely hard to make you look like a, a normal, I always call it like a normal human being. Like I wake up and I look like normal. Like that's how I felt like it was like when Outlander people come on, I'm like, oh, they look like me, like normal. And then like, I see them in real life and I'm like, oh no, they're still pretty and perfect. No, no, no. I, <laughs> but, no, don't ever say this. You have got, I, I like to guarantee you, you've got it wrong. I have a ring light on. I have makeup on. I have the zoom blur my face slightly, very slightly, but I have more wrinkles than this. I have acne. I'm a no, normal normal person. So anyone listening to this is crazy. She's beautiful. You're crazy. But um, I'm going to fight that because it's just I don't look like this. What you're seeing right now, I don't look like that. I look like how I look in Outlander because I feel like it's really. But even in Outlander, I mean, it's not like you're like ugly in Outlander. I still have makeup. Like, well, this is the thing. It's just they pull a lot back. That's all. Like, like in Outlander, I see you and go, oh, my God, she's so underdressed. I saw her like I saw Amy and I was like, oh, she's like pretty and nobody would have thought that Roger you know might have straight like you know because that was kind of like what some people were thinking yeah. if they didn't look. we wouldn't have thought that if you were like oh like this is some unattractive one like you were like, you're pretty so like obviously it's like an attractive woman and this guy's helping her and you know it's a little at the time I guess for the time period it's a little odd if you're married yeah. to be helping like a single woman all this stuff his reasoning may make sense and because they're from a different time mm-hmm. it all makes sense so, mm-hmm. so, so to us but I remember in the very beginning I was like because everything's so pulled back and so reserved and you're in these dresses and what everyone kind of has to wear everyone looks different you know like sam all that everybody looks different i think so you know amy as a character i found so interesting because she didn't give up and you know and they're giving her and helping her obviously to help her survive but i'm excited you know towards the end because there was so much drama going on we didn't get to see you know too much of where amy is and like kind of how she's progressing and so, you know, I'm hoping, and again, I know you can't say anything, but I'm, I, I know that, you know, a couple episodes were filmed this season for next season. So I'm assuming some of those might have you in them, but I'm hoping that for season six, we see a little more, almost like a status update of how you're doing, because I would be so happy to just see you, you know, with your kids and like, see, and I say you see Amy with her kids and like in a night, you know, we obviously saw the cabin, but like in a much more filled out cabin in a much nicer, you know, having your garden growing and then maybe some really nice guy that doesn't care that you have kids comes along. And like, I I just hope we see you next season. Yeah. I want, I want our set up. We need to like, yeah, I want like a bachelor kind of Fraser's Ridge crossover where we just like have our date like the full everybody there's so many there are so many eligible single men on the the, the, the on the ridge that are like absolute tens like you know yes yeah uh, I, like everyone's good on this show you guys are all good looking it's like ridiculous so like I I pictured like if we if Alan was turned into a reality show I feel like everybody would just be hooking up with everybody because like everybody's just so attracted like there's if nothing else to do but... there's no TV there is no Outlander and Outlander there is no binging there is only 
yeah I mean what are you gonna do when you're like when your home's being invaded you're gonna have sex that's what you're gonna do and it's yeah like what else do you do or in a tent oh my god those scenes can I just give a shout out to Vanessa Coffey who's the intimacy yeah. co- coordinator on this season who worked on those two scenes with um Simon Cat and um, I mean you know I wasn't there <laughs> that would have been weird but I have <laughs> those sex scenes in that last episode were so um just so brilliant um yeah I definitely and you know what it's funny too because there wasn't one obviously and like you know Sam kind of like advocated for that and I was wondering I'm like well you know how does that work because they kind of know each other already and everyone's kind of done one does it make a difference and in that last episode, that was the first, you know, it had been many episodes since we had kind of seen a scene anyway, but um, obviously the coordinator I think was there for the first, but in that last episode, it was definitely apparent because the way it looked so much more realistic um, and so, and the way it was shot, I was like, I feel like I'm seeing something I shouldn't see. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it was yeah, very yeah. intimate, yeah. very yeah. Um, together. So then you go, ah, oh, that's what they do. Like yeah. that's how they work. elevate J- uh, Jamie Payne that directed that block I didn't get to um, uh, work with that director but like yeah I've been speaking to Vanessa because I knew Vanessa from my days at RCS she taught me um, when I was at the conservatoire and um, and she's been brought on this and yeah obviously like the director did an incredible job as well but like yeah I mean there is so much I mean yeah <laughs> that's a whole other podcast to talk about the yeah because there, there's so much there's like, so much involved in there and and you know not to say that any of the scenes you know prior to having a coordinator were bad oh, obviously yeah. people were obsessed with them you know we all loved to see all these like intimate scenes mm-hmm. with them but it's you can the difference you can notice yeah. like that there was someone that came in and how it was lit and how it was shot and things that were moved and also behind the scene things that we're not involved in as viewers so the things that they do for you to make you feel more comfortable I think is very important too so it's like props to Sam and Kat for Sophie and Richard for doing things where they had figured out right like are you okay if I do that am I okay okay and they're yeah. doing all of that stuff but when you have someone come in I think you feel so much more comfortable and almost like you have a voice too because you might feel uncomfortable saying something to someone else that you're working with like I don't feel comfortable doing that but you have a third party that's neutral that all they're there is to make sure you're comfortable yeah. the other person's comfortable and it looks good my favorite episode of the whole show of the season was season was the finale and I felt like it was because those those scenes in particular I went like whoa like you know those were very different and that's where I like kind of saw it and understand because I think when Sam first announced people were like well why they've been doing it for I'm like yeah but you have to understand like you know women might not feel comfortable saying a certain thing doesn't matter how close you are with somebody like you just might not feel comfortable or as an actor why do you have to worry about that on top of everything else like oh you, god exactly like, there's so yeah. many things you have to worry about let someone else handle that and come in yeah. and just tell you move here move that you know, don't worry. This is what's going to show this one. And you don't even have to think about it. So yeah. I think that just el- eliminated a lot of them having to like worry about it. And I think for future actors that it's going to make a huge difference for any other ones that have scenes that are intimate like that, bringing somebody on. So it's so essential. I think that it's, you know, it's been a long, a long, long time of coming because obviously you would never do, they're never going to do the battle of Culloden or they're never going to do a, a, a fight between you know, to people without it being choreographed. It is choreography, really, at the end of the day. Like, it's making sure that you don't damage another person. The invention of this coordinator, um, I think, should be mandatory for every, like, you know, this new kind of, like, title, I think should be mandatory on every set. And I can't believe 
for so many years and for so many sets and so many movies, it was like, yeah, we'll, we'll work it out. Crazy. I think the next step up from that is like, just to say that obviously there are assaults and things that take place on set and on jobs where you're currently on that job and there might be, you know, policy in place to help you. But what a lot of people, um, myself including, are um, included, are experiencing is that obviously those policies and, and that safety net that's now been put in place on a job does often fail freelancers because we're going from job to job and and quite often you're working with people that are you know it might not necessarily have been like oh you do this for me and you get and I will give you this job but you know it's like lateral you know abuse where it's people that are your peers that you're then and people that you know and friends that you know like it is an absolute mess and I think you know I've been trying to advocate a lot for um other people but you know it's there's only so far you can do it on your own so like try to work with equity and things and anything that we can do to have systems in place for that because when you get a cast list in and there's someone on that name that you cannot and will not work with mm-hmm. but it's someone who is not you know you know if you're not in the film who's going to know us um that is really where the the really tricky things, you know. Come yeah, into. and I think I do think that's important for people to to realize and hear because I and I've also been on a lot of sets. And when I've been on sets and I've seen something happen, or I've seen someone say something, and like you know, you report it, um, you're risking your job because the person that you're most likely reporting is making more than you and is a star or whatever on the show. And I've seen those reports kind of get buried. Uh, sometimes it kills me when I hear, like, I'll hear, like, someone's name. And they go, oh, my God, I love them. And I love everything they do. And I want to be like, ah, like, if you only knew, like, the stuff that was going on. But people don't know. And that's a huge problem in this industry. Like, you know, if you go to the higher ups, quote unquote, and you make a complaint, like, that should be filed. That should be available for public. That should be and a lot of times it's like, well, you know what? Don't worry. Next time we won't have you work with that. Or don't worry. This won't happen again. Or we will leave you alone with them. And yeah. Like, or like, or, you know, we'll give you like three extra scenes and we'll put you somewhere with someone else. It's all always to protect that person mm-hmm. that did it. And it's never to protect the person that got something done to yeah. them, whatever it was. And I've seen it on sets and I've actually, you know, I have a big mouth. So like, I've actually said something, you know, like I've walked up and be like, this is unacceptable, you know, unacceptable. And I've said stuff, but the fact that like, you would even have to think to say something is ridiculous. Like, so I agree with you. There needs to be protocols, not only, you know, obviously where you work, but I think are all around the board, like SAG needs to have policies in place. And like, there's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I mean, it, the beginning of an internet uh, of a intimate coordinator is nice, but you know, there's so many other things on a kind of positive, just like kind of swing it back. You know, you did notice a difference. And so it's very apparent that it's needed, you know, because I noticed a difference as a viewer. And so, you know, I'm excited to see kind of, you know, like where things go. And like I said, I would love for us to get an update on Amy and I'm hoping we see you all of next season is there, I know, I know they're like super tight lipped with everything, but um, there are four episodes from the season airing next season. So I'm crossing my fingers that you're in one of those. Will we keep seeing Amy? Like, cause she is on the Ridge. I mean, and you know, there are issues. I know Ridge abound <laughs> within the Ridge that will be coming up, but like, you know, will we keep seeing her? Because 
she's li- I, I don't picture her moving anytime soon so well I hope I mean I hope so like yeah I obviously can't say anything but like you know I know she's in all of the other books um and like yeah I haven't read I haven't read I, I've not read the rest of them yet um I've not read book nine so I haven't read book nine either I'm a little oh, behind, okay. so I haven't either with me on that um but yeah so yeah I hope yeah I hope we see her again and uh yeah because I you know I think she becomes like a a, a lovely I, I think it's like a more recent journey of someone that's sort of like still not settled there and um yeah I'd love to see her I'd love to see her shack up with a man for sure yeah and it's a it's a really beautiful I think Amy has a really beautiful story too so like I'm kind of excited to see people see it and I think you do such a great job like playing her it's so believable. I mean, like literally like from the second you came on screen, I was like, like, I feel for this woman. And like, it's just so believable. There was no, there wasn't a single second where I like, you know, where I I watched it and I pulled out and went, who is this actress? Or like, who's, I was just in and I was, and just so believed by everything that you said and did. I just felt so much for you because we are in present day, obviously, and what that must've felt like and what that must be like. And I think so many women relate to your character and so I'm excited to see them kind of see her, hopefully, um, you know, evolve um, as the books evolve, you know, because she is in, in, in them and there's more stuff coming. Hopefully we get to. I mean, kind yeah, of we'll see. Uh, like the, the screen, you know, the writers have do an incredible job, like adapting existing material and such good existing. And, you know, Diane is an incredible, incredible writer, like there's so much gold in those books and they can't use everything. So like, I know, you know, like I I know that that's not always possible and, you know, she's stuck. She's, she's on the ridge to, to, um, for good. So I think there's a lot about Amy and I think like, I think we all want to follow her. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed. We love you. You're so amazing on the show. You know, I'll end with like, I always like to give you guys, you know, time if you want to like promote any new projects, things you're working on. I know you talked about a lot of your writing, stuff um hopefully more outlander stuff i'll say it, you can't hopefully more <laughs> outlander stuff i don't know i have no secret script either but hopefully more outlander stuff that we'll see you on yeah i mean i'm on i'm uh i'm definitely on socials um from a sense but yeah i'm on instagram and twitter and um yeah i've got loads of behind the scenes stuff to still post so i'm on um instagram twitter at uh, joanne thompson without a p 22 so give me a follow and give me a shout and i'll um like all your stuff and follow you too got obviously i'm working on this pilot i can't properly speak about but it's like this incredible queer geriatric adventure with two queer leads two female queer leads over 60 it's like a road trip it's in scotland and america so it's very much an outlander fans um uh, wavelength and yeah I'm working on something with um, Mark Rowley who plays Finn in, in The Last Kingdom and uh, he's having I me on to talk Mark. oh yeah um, he's I having me on to talk about um, writing and sort of tips that you know I've I've learned from other people and things that have, have worked for me um, and we're raising money um, all the all the funds and tickets are donated to the um, humanitarian crisis and Ukraine so um yeah that should be open so I'll put that on my Instagram and I will be at Outlandish Vancouver in Seattle and the convention there October September I want to thank you so thank you so much for coming um and then we look forward to like all of your future things and I have a feeling this is not the last time we'll be having you on so we'll we'll be talking again about a ton of stuff (laughs) 